Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. All I can say is beautiful. Well, that's not all I can say. I can say I'm not sure we all have the same amount of talent. He was talking about using your talent for the Lord. But uh, how beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry Lane. Appreciate it, man. God bless you. As most of you know, my wife has rheumatoid arthritis. And she has had, had it for years, and it is severe. And recently, when she retired and her insurance changed, she came off the medication that she had been taken, taking for years. And the medication was working, but we decided that she would come off the medication and we would pray and trust God and have faith for a healing. Now, part of the motivation for her coming off that medication was this. Because her insurance changed, the copay changed. And our copay was $1,260 a month. So we decided it was time to stop taking that medication. Now, I have to tell you, that was not the wisest decision that we've ever made. Her pain became severe, and the quality of her life plummeted. I, I tell you this, some of you were aware of this, but there was a period there where I became very concerned that I would lose my wife. And we prayed and tried everything, but nothing worked. She was anointed with oil. We prayed over her. Uh, We had prayer at the house. Friends prayed. Uh, People gave us all kinds of ideas, and we followed everything, every possible avenue for help. So nothing helped. Well, there's a a verse in the Bible, it's found in the book of James, it says that every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And what that means is every good gift that we have in this life comes from God. Man may have created it. But God gave man the ability to do it, and therefore we thank God. I told a friend of mine this past week, I said, one of the best gifts God's ever given to us is air conditioning. (laughs) Have you thanked him for air conditioning lately? Well, anyway, if that be true, and we know it is true, then even though we didn't get the miracle that we wanted, we knew that that medication was a gift from God. Sometimes God heals without medication. Sometimes he heals with medication. 
So as a last resort, she went back on the medication, and we were told again that the copay was set at $1,260 a month, meaning that we would be paying a little over $15,000 a year for this one medication. We ordered the medication and thank God for the gift, regardless of what it cost. And we paid the $1,260. But right after we ordered the medication, I said to my wife, I really don't know why I didn't think about this earlier, but I said to my wife, I said, we've tried everything else. Let's try something we haven't tried. She said, what's that? I said, when we tithe this coming Sunday, let's increase our tithe. Now, my wife and I, we've been married 48 years, and we've tithed 10% of every paycheck we've ever received for 48 years. We'd always given 10%. But a few days after we paid that first bill, that first copay, we wrote out a tithe check for 10%, and then we added $100 to it. Well, I forgot about it. When it was time for her to order her next uh, dose of medication, a month's worth, she calls the lady and they go through the process that she has to go through every month. And then my wife gave her the credit card number. And the lady said, that'll be $253. My wife said, wait just a minute, something is wrong. We've been told it was $1,260, and now you're telling me it's $253. My wife said, there must be a mistake. And she said, in fact, the last time we got the medication, we paid $1,260. And the lady said, well, ma'am, I can't explain it, but all I can tell you is all you owe us is $253. Now, friends, there's a lot of difference between $1,260 and $253. (laughs) To be exact, $1,007. And I'm standing before you today to tell you that I like God's math. We gave $100 and He gave us $1,007. Come on. Now a skeptic might say that was coincidence. But the problem I have is this. I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in correlation. I believe that there is a direct correlation between obedience and faith and many, not all, but many of the blessings of God. The word correlation is just a word that we use to to define a connection between two things. For instance, there's a correlation between smoking and lung cancer. If you are a smoker, there is an increased chance that you'll have lung cancer. The more you smoke, the more likely it is that you will have lung cancer. The two are connected. There's a correlation. Well, here's what I want you to hear today in this brief, short message I have for you, and it really is brief. And that is 
that the Bible does not teach coincidence. The Bible teaches correlation. The Bible teaches us that there is a sovereign God who has put certain laws and certain principles in place, and when those laws and principles are put to the test, they'll always pass the test. In our situation, we knew because of years of Bible study that the Bible makes it very clear that those who give, those who tithe, those who give generously, that the favor of God will be on their finances. We put that biblical correlation to test, and the test worked. And all I can say is thank God for being so faithful. My wife's back on the medication. She's doing great. I thank God for the medication. And don't you tell me that's a lack of faith because I want to remind you that every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Now, it is true that some of the blessings of God are given to us unconditionally. There's absolutely nothing we can do to deserve them. God just does it because He loves us. But please listen to me today. Because this is a missing part of the modern day theology. It would be a huge mistake to believe that all of the blessings of God are ours by grace. They are not. Some of the blessings of God are only for the obedient. It's real quiet in here right now. Some of the blessings of God are only for the faithful. And many of the blessings of God and the promises of God are for those who understand that there is a connection between behavior and blessings. Even Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Jesus was saying, there is a connection between you keeping my commandments and abiding in my love. You say, well, I thought Jesus loved everybody. He does. He came from glory because he loved the whole world. And God was not willing that any perish, but that all should come to repentance And there is a sense in which God loves everybody, but I do want to tell you that Jesus made it clear that there's a correlation, there is a connection between those who keep His commandments and those who abide in His love. If you want to abide in His love, you keep His commandments. The Bible is filled with statements that say, if you want God to do this, then you need to do this. And if you want this to be true in your life, then this is a requirement. And I'm telling you, you can find this all through the Bible. And I don't know about you, but that's not a strange concept for me. Not with the home I grew up in. You see, the home I grew up in, there was a direct correlation between disbehavior or misbehaving and discipline. How many of you grew up in a home where there was a connection between disobedience and discipline? When you disobeyed, you got disciplined, right? 
somebody broke out a switch. And I don't care what the modern psychologists say today. The Bible is true. Spare the rod and spoil the child. You're refusing to teach your child a major principle if you don't do it. If I disobeyed, my father tanned my hide. Now, it was also true that I grew up in a home where if you behaved, you got blessed. It's just, it's real simple, isn't it? And, and, and that's what the Bible teaches us. L- let me just stop for a moment. Parents, I want to encourage you as your pastor, especially those of you who have small children, please take the time to teach your children the connection, the relationship between behavior and blessings, between responsibility and rewards. Because if you will do that, you will prepare them to live in a real world. And not only that, you will be preparing them to understand God's Word and you'll be teaching them the principles of God. So let me share with you some correlations, okay? This is just real simple. And the Bible is far more simple than sometimes we want to admit. Here we go. Asking and receiving are connected. There's a correlation between asking and receiving. Some of you are looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. I used to say jokingly that begging is highly underrated. If it were not so, you wouldn't have so many people doing it. You ask, you receive. Even in this world. Well, it's true in the kingdom of God. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. I, I dare say that for all of us, there are blessings that we are doing without simply because we have not taken time to seriously, genuinely ask God for those blessings. Now, the Bible does go on to say that if we ask amiss, if we ask that we consume it upon our own lust, we may not get what we request. But the fact is... That we have not because we ask not. How about this? We've been right here. We've been doing it this morning. And you've heard some statements concerning this on stage. Praise and worship and the presence of God are connected. There's a correlation between genuine praise and worship and the presence of God. God inhabits the praises of His children when Scripture says. When you're down. When you've got the blues. When there's a dark cloud over you, when you're under attack, when things are going wrong, that is a real good time to stop and start praising and worshiping and glorifying and magnifying your God. Have you ever noticed that when we're in here in a worship service and the praise team is leading us and it just keeps mounting, that it just seems like, it seems like there is nothing Nothing negative going on in the house. There's energy. Why? There's excitement. Why? There's motivation. Why? There's power. Why? Because when we praise Him, His presence invades the house. And when He comes in in His mighty presence, oh, my stars. It gets good. It gets good. I, I laugh sometimes when I think about a guy that said the presence of God was on me so strong, I felt like I could attack hell with a water pistol. <laughs> Invincible. Bulletproof. 
more than a conqueror. Why? Because He is with me. What ushers that in? Praise and worship. That's what it says. Here's another one. Humility and exaltation go together. Uh, Quit bragging on yourself. You're on a journey down if you do that. Humility and exaltation go together. Jesus said, He that exalteth himself shall be humbled, but he that humbleth himself shall be, say it, exalted. There's a direct connection, a direct correlation between humbling yourself down before God and saying, I'm a sinner. I'm weak. I'm prone to wonder. I make mistakes. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Renew me and restore me. Those are the kind of prayers that we find in the Scriptures. Humility leads to exaltation. I'm just sharing with you some, some correlations here. Here's one that I think our generation needs. And please, young people, I'm going to turn my attention a little bit to the youth of the church here for a moment. Work ethic is related to how blessed you are. Your work ethic is directly connected to how blessed you are. We don't like that in America, do we? Everybody's entitled, right? You don't have to do anything. You're entitled. God's obligated. The government's obligated. Everybody's obligated to take care of you. That's not what the Bible teaches. Proverbs 10.4 says, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring what? Well, Get your butt up off that sofa and go to work. I may have to repent. One of my grandchildren got on to me for saying butt from the pulpit. And so I forgot, and that was my bad, I'm sorry. But that scripture clearly teaches us that laziness leads to poverty. And diligence leads to wealth. It's a biblical principle. I don't care what political correctness in our world says. I don't care how liberal we get. Isn't it time that the people of God start believing the Word of God and believe that these correlations will work? And if you're lazy, it'll lead to poverty. If you're diligent, it'll lead to wealth. I... A man showed up at the church, told me, he said, I need some help. I said, okay, you've come to the right place. He said, I need some work and I need some food. I said, great, we can provide both. We'll put you to work and pay you minimum wage and you can make money and then you can buy you some food. He said, thank you, pastor. Oh, this is an answer to prayer. This is a gift from God. I said, well, yeah, okay. I mean, he was, he was so moved. He said, so I went and got a rake, and I handed him the rake. I said, the leaves need raking. 
He said, and I said, and you can rate for two or three days if you want to, and we'll pay you minimum wage. You're going to make some money. Things are going to be fine. He said, okay, pastor, but he said, I haven't eaten in three days. He said, he said, can you give me something to eat? Can you give me some money to get something to eat? And I said, no. He said, I haven't eaten in three days. I said, if you hadn't eaten in three days, one more hour is not going to hurt you. <laughs> so help me. That's exactly what I said to him. I said, you rake for one hour, and after one hour, you come in, and you tell me that you're finished one hour of work, and I'm going to run up to the store, get a loaf of bread and a pack of bologna, and you and I are going to eat together. He said, so I've got to work before you feed me? I said, yeah. So anyway, I left him and I went to my office. And about 15 minutes later, one of the leaders of the church showed up. And he said, Pastor, what in the world is this rake doing leaning up against your office door? (laughs) He never pulled it one time. He leaned the rake up and left. Now, you may be asking... What's that all about? Well, church, I can tell you what that's all about. That's about a lazy man who will not work, wanting a man who will work to feed him. And that's not biblical. Paul said in the New Testament, in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, If a man will not work, neither should he Eat. Now, I know what the question is. Somebody's going to ask me after the service, shouldn't we have compassion? Shouldn't we care for the less fortunate? Shouldn't we give to the down and out? Shouldn't we help those who are asking for help? And the answer to that question is absolutely yes. Positively yes. But I want to tell you, you do not keep giving money to a man that won't work. You're just throwing good money after bad. And we're not supposed to do that. So I'm just trying to get you to see correlations because if you can understand the correlations in Scripture, you can get into the Bible and it will come alive for you. It'll start opening doors and you'll start winning victories and you'll have battles that you will win. Now, here's another correlation. There's a correlation between wealth and how well you handle your money. Have you ever noticed that people who have money are tight? Us poor folks, we just spend it everywhere. We're just okay, you know. But you show me somebody's got money, and I'll show you somebody who, they didn't get that way after they got the money. That's how they got the money. They started watching their money. They started being wise with their money. You want a scripture for this? Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend. Whatever they get. If you're spending all your money, well, I'm not going to say it. Here, here's, the, here's the correlation, the connection. Work hard, spend wisely, and you're on a pathway to wealth and luxury. Now, I know. I, I've been preaching long enough. I know how to answer the questions before they're asked. 
Somebody could walk up to me after the service and say, Pastor, that sounds a little bit like the prosperity gospel. Having wealth and luxury in your home. Because I don't know about you, but I want wealth and luxury in my home. But I can tell you, this is anything but the prosperity gospel. This is the responsibility gospel. This is the good news that if we'll read God's Word, take it seriously and do what it says, that it will show us the correlations that we need to get from where we are to where we want to be. And there is a connection. There is a connection between personal responsibility and luxury and wealth. I'm just trying to preach God's Word today. Hey. Thank you, brother. All right, fasten your seatbelts just for a moment. Going to get a little more rough here. There is a correlation, a connection between the way you talk and the quality of your life. Proverbs 21.23 says, Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. (laughs) Have you ever known somebody that would avoid most of the trouble they have in their life if they would just keep their mouth shut? And I'm convinced if that scripture had been written in our day, it would say, keep your mouth shut, watch what you're texting and putting on social media. It it include all of that. 1 Peter 3.10 says, For the scripture says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, how many of you really do? I mean, be honest, don't try to be super spiritual. You want to enjoy life and have happy days. Hold your hand up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm having a pretty happy day right now, I have to tell you. (laughs) If you want to enjoy life and see happy days, what? Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. You see, there's a connection. There's a correlation between the words you speak and enjoying life and having happy days. I tell you, I, I confess to you that I've ruined too many days in my life because I didn't watch my mouth. And I've repented of that. Oh, may God teach us. Teach us to do better. One more on this one, and then we'll move on. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Have you ever taken time to think about that? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who like to talk a lot, they will eat its fruit. Have you ever heard someone say, You may have to eat those words. There's a famous quote by Andy Rooney that I like. It says, always keep your words soft and sweet just in case you have to eat them. (laughs) I've got a news flash for you. You always have to eat your words. You always eat the fruit of your words. And when you and I are speaking, when we're talking... We're preparing a table before us and our family members and our friends and whatever you put on that table, that's what you got to eat. And if you put death on the table, you'll eat death. If you put life on the table, you'll eat life. Right now, the words you're speaking are cooking up your next meal in life. Make them sweet. 
All right, I've got to hurry up or I will have lied to you about this being a short message. I'm going to end with this. One of the greatest of all biblical correlations is this. And I've got to tell you, if this won't make you a leap for joy, nothing will. Here it is. We're going to put it on the screen. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. That's good, isn't it? By the way, here's a trivia question for you. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Which biblical writer actually said that, wrote those words? I decided to do some research. So this is what I found out. Moses taught it. Samuel said it. Nehemiah said it. Isaiah said it. Jeremiah said it. Ezekiel said it. Zechariah said it. Hosea said it. Joel said it. Malachi said it. Jesus taught it. And finally, the brother of Jesus said it in James chapter 4, verse 8. Here it is. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The words change a little bit, but it's the same thing. Return to me and I'll return to you. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. The Bible is telling us that we have a responsibility. You see, the Bible is saying if you will return to the Lord, He will return to you. Where's the responsibility there? It's on us, isn't it? You move... He moves. You take a step. He takes a step. You turn your eyes toward heaven. And heaven turns its eyes toward you. When heaven gets your attention, you get heaven's attention. You see, the responsibility is on us. It's on us. We've been preached... We've been preached free grace for so long that we totally ignore these correlations, these connections where God says, you have to do this if you want me to do this. The image that the Bible wants us to have is this. If you can picture in your mind, maybe God being on one side of this dome and fallen, a fallen man on this side of the dome. Now, I'm, I'm, sorry guys, I just, it doesn't matter. I mean, just, okay. All right, but God's over there and some fallen failure is over here. And the picture that the Bible wants us to have is the moment that fallen man, the moment that broken man, the moment that destitute woman, the moment that broken-hearted person says, you know what? I get it. God's never coming back to me until I move first. It's called faith. It's called obedience. It's called action. And the moment that person starts toward God, guess what God does? He starts toward them. I want to tell you, if they turn down that back row, God will turn down that back row. If they come around this way, God will come around this way. If they go under, God will go under. If they go over, God will go under. I, I, I honestly... You can correct my theology later if you think I'm wrong. But once you make up your mind, you're going after God. I don't really think it, the methodology matters. I think heaven takes notice that there's a sinner seeking the Savior. There's a backslider who's coming back home. And all heaven is alerted. And the journey is on. If someone here today says this, if someone here today 
says, you know, Pastor, I get it. I get it. I, I'm going after God. I've heard the message. I've, I've been here through the praise and worship, I, uh, the testimony of the whole service. And wherever I am, and we're not saying you're a bad person. We're just saying you just, you're going after God. Can I tell you that the moment you make that decision to go after God, this is the image the Bible wants you to have. This is the image. God wants you to have this image that the moment you decide to go after God, God decides to go after you. The moment you move out in faith, in pursuit of God, He starts pursuing you. The moment you start chasing after God, He starts chasing after you. God, some people, I, I've actually heard people pray, Lord, I need you to come back to me. No, friends, you need to go back to Him. He didn't leave you. He didn't abandon you. He didn't forsake you. He's waiting for you to turn your eyes back toward Him. Where a holy God and fallen man begin to move toward each other. And here's the beautiful dynamic of it. For every step that fallen man takes, it's like he's taking two steps because God's, God's moving toward him. Now, it's all made possible through the cross. It's all made possible through the blood of the Lamb. It's all made possible through His redemptive plan. It's all made possible through grace and through mercy. But please don't be deceived. There is responsibility on our part to turn our eyes toward Him, and to pursue Him. No more running. No more playing games. I'm going to turn my heart toward the Lord. Have you ever seen an alcoholic who became a minister of the gospel? I have. Have you ever seen a, a drug addict become a Bible study teacher? I have. Have you ever seen a prostitute establish gospel ministries? Plural. I have. Have you ever seen a, a common, everyday man who's working for a living step into a worldwide ministry? I have. Have you ever seen a home where a husband and a wife were miserable. And then all of a sudden, the blessings of God fall on that home and they fall back in love with one another. I have. And listen to this. Everything I've just told you, I've seen it play out right here in this church. I could put names behind every one of those scenarios because I've seen it. You see, the only thing keeping you from what God wants out of you and what God wants to do with you and how God wants to bless you. The only thing that's keeping you is a choice. You have to choose. I'm going home. I'm going to pursue the Lord. These are divine correlations. The Bible is filled with them. Get in your Bible and you'll have breakthroughs like you never dreamed possible. Would you pray with me, please? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200, 
or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.